always interesting, isn't it, when you sort of, there's like a thousand people in here and then the kids leave and there's about 20 left, it's, uh, it's, which is a good thing, right? I mean, it's fantastic that there's, uh, there's so many young people at, at our church. In fact, I had this conversation, this is, wasn't, this is not planned, but I had this conversation a little while ago, um, we were actually looking at uh, the people who help out and, and sort of run Refresh, uh, or, you know, to do our worship service stuff, and we started thinking about the different teams that we had and we realised that they're, if we can call Tristan a young person, which he, which he is, but, but we, we, are, we are sort of, everyone who gets up here pretty much is young, not me, of course, you can see that, um, pretty obviously, but, but when it comes to, to, you know, being a big part of what we do here, it's, it's, there's a bit happens with young people. And some people may or may not have experience in other churches, uh, and that's so fine, but if you have, you probably would know that that's actually a bit unique, which is, which is pretty special. I'm not saying ours is better than anyone else's, but we're just really praising God for what we have. Uh, so it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty neat thing. So as Christian said, and as uh, Richo said before, we're on this series called Who Am I? And talking a little bit about what sort of a difference Christ makes in our life. Corbs hit me, um, started that off, Simo last week, and now this week. We're going we're gonna to sort of enter into the world of, of what it means in Christ to be forgiven. And what, not, just, not just like from a perspective of, um, you know, Christ forgiving us, but also what does that mean in our relationships with other people? And so we're going to jump in and we're going to have a look at a few stories and, and where we're going to go is, we're going to go to the last, sort of the last few hours, I guess, of Jesus' life before He was actually crucified. And there's some interesting stories in there and, and I must admit, even myself, when I started looking through them, I was, you know, reading through it and and looking at it a bit in depth and what that might have meant for those individuals who were involved and it was just a bit like, wow, there's some cool stuff in here. And so I, was, I actually got pretty excited about that. So hopefully you can as well. Um, the question I'm going to start with is, what do you do with regret? What do you do with regret? What do you do with the things that you have done in the past that you sort of are still dealing with or still have in the back of your mind, the sort of things that you think, you know, we've, I won't ask you to put your hand up because I reckon I'd have a pretty much a, a full show of hands here, but if I said, you know, put your hands up, if there is something that you wish you could turn back time and change, you know, like I pretty much everyone I think would go, yep, you know, we've all, we've all done a few of those things where it's like, yeah, I wish, I wish we could turn back time, I wish there's something that I could erase from my life, I wish that, uh, that we could turn back time and I guess for those situations um, you know is Jesus is this whole Jesus thing wherever you are at with God in, in this thing but you know does Jesus has anything to offer for us during this time in this question what are we going to do with our regrets what are we going to do with those things that that were that were embarrassing or the decisions that we made um, the places we went to that we thought you know what I regret doing that, I wish I had never, the relationships that I might have had or I didn't have or the money I spent or I didn't spend or the, you know those big things in life where it goes, you know what, I've missed an opportunity or I shouldn't have gone to that or I, all those sort of things and now we still live with that because it's something that happened in the past and you know, like I said before, I'm not a young person anymore and I've talked to a few people, you know, in my time and, and the more, I, the more older I get or whatever it might be, the more I realise, you know, that our past has a habit of turning up in our present. 
but what happens in the past keeps turning up in our present and no doubt will turn up somewhere in the future that the things that go on in the past come back to bite us a little bit and it's like all right well I can't change the past I can't go back there I can't like we can't you know that time machine you know I can't go back there but what do we do with it how do we deal with that and sometimes that can eat us up I'll be honest sometimes what happens in the past we still have to live with the consequences and it can still eat us up and it can still impact our life today um so we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of a look at that and how, that, how God might be able to help us in all of this. Um, it's interesting, when we were a kid, um, we all did bad stuff. I don't know, probably all, I think all of us. Maybe there's a couple of, I don't know, the only people who I think that don't do a lot of bad stuff, there's probably a few, you know, like, I don't know, Oh, I don't mean to pick on you, you, you too, teacher. You know, one of those little girls that just seem to sit in the corner and never do anything wrong. I don't know, do you have a few of them? I don't know, there's probably not too many boys, but I don't know, sometimes you see little girls, I think, oh, they're pretty innocent, but then they're probably being, you know, treating their friends not so well or something like that. I don't know how it works. But, but when we're a kid, right, we all, do, we, all do some, we all do silly stuff and we all do bad stuff and the parents jump on us and they say, they say no, you know, um, that's the wrong thing to do and, and we, we're corrected um, and... Um, you know, things like maybe lying, you know, tell a little lie, you know, did you eat that? No, you know, big fingerprints in the whatever it is, you know, like, you know, um, cheating, you know, like, you know, you're playing a card, you know, when you're playing with little kids and they're like, like, they're desperate to win, so they start cheating, did you cheat? And it's real obvious, no, you know, it's just like, no, I didn't do that, I didn't cheat. Um, stealing, you know, like, you ever had, I don't know if you've ever done it, uh, I can't say I have, or that I want to admit to it, but, you know, have you ever, like, you know, knocked off 20 bucks from your mum's purse or, you know, found a $10 note, you know, as a little kid I'm talking, uh, maybe you still do that, <laughs> but um, <laughs> teens, where are they, <laughs> sneaking out Saturday night, um, but like, you know, when you're you know, stealing a little bit of money or, or, or something like that, um, like I said, cheating or, um, you know, um, hitting my dad used to sort of a fairly common thing was, Neil, keep your hands to yourself. You know, I had three sisters, but I thought they deserved a little bit of a, you know, education. <laughs> no, that was when I was very little, right? I'm talking little. I'm talking very little until I had to learn. What I'm saying is we all do bad stuff. I'm just saying. There's no, um, you know, we, we're, we all go there. And, um, but the, the, the thing about that, I guess, is that the, the consequences aren't, aren't exactly huge. Like, you know, we get over that. You know, don't do that, don't do this. You all got caught out, you know, there might be some consequences, there might be some sort of punishment. Hopefully we learn from it and hopefully we become better people. And hopefully we, we don't do it so often and, and, we, and, we, and I guess that's what parenting's all about, in my view, is, is trying to shape character of, of, of young children as they grow. Like, it's not, um, I'm not a believer in just letting kids grow up however they want, you know, we're here to try and shape characters in a positive way, particularly if you're if you've got a Christian perspective, you know, in, in the ways that Christ would like, you know, in, in a Christian sort of a um, home, and, you know, in a Christian way. So, so as a child, um, you know, I guess another thing I remember, like, I used to, for me, if I'm being honest, like, I had three sisters, you know, imagine that one boy and three sisters, you can all say, oh, like, I feel sorry for me now, right, because I had three sisters that always used to try and you know, you used to say, you know, I was always dad's favourite and I was always the favourite of the family. I got all the, you know, why did I get to sit in the front of the car? The truth was because, I don't know why, actually, maybe I annoyed them too much, so mum and dad made me sit in, you know, the front of the car and they had to sit in the back. Um, you know, I used to go into their room, maybe help out with the, 
you know, rearranging their dolls or something, uh, just a little bit, you know, just to make things a little bit prettier, cut some hair off the dolls or something like, you know, like all those sort of things, you know, like, that's just what you do, like when you've got three sisters. But like I said, the consequences, yeah, okay, I might have found my dad's belt around the rear end a few, you know, a few times and, and probably well-deserved. Uh, I have no, have no uh, ill feelings towards that. I think it was very deserved. But, but the consequences, I guess what I'm saying here, the consequences are, are, are relatively minor. What you do is relatively trivial compared to what happens when we get a bit older. And, you know, as teens you guys sitting here, or as adults, um, once we sort of hit that, you know, hit, hit that age where, you know what, we should actually take responsibility for our own actions, all of a sudden the consequences um, also become adult-sized consequences. And, uh, you know, the things like, like we talked about before, lying, you know, lying as a little kid, oh, well, you know, don't do that again, and you try and when you start lying to an adult, as an adult, or as a, you know, as a teen, or as an adult, all of a sudden there's some real friendships that can bust up about that. Or if we start cheating, you know, it's not just cheating playing, you know, and you know, on the Sunday night or something. It's if I start cheating in exams. Oops, now Sam's gone whack. Um, if I start cheating in an exam, particularly if I'm at uni, well, maybe I get to uh, leave that university altogether. Maybe you get called up and say, I'm sorry, plagiarism is not part of what we do here and you don't get to, um, am I right here Brad? Way loud there or something. Um, the, the, univer- you know, the university uh, kicks me out altogether. Um, so, so the consequences, um, you know, get bigger and bigger. Stealing, if I start stealing as an adult, I start, I'm, I'm on the inside looking out. Not just like, you know, you shouldn't have taken 20 bucks off your mum. This is like, I've just stole whatever off the boss or I've done something even a bit. So all of a sudden, the consequences, and it's like, if you want to hit someone, well, that's an adult-sized consequence. There's real, you know, even at school here in high school, if you, you start swinging punches, then there's, there's, real, there's real issues. Or if you start, instead of me going into some girl's room, if you go into some other girl's room as an adult, well, that's, that's different again. So what we're saying is here, all of a sudden the size of the problem grows big and the size of the regret is pretty big. In fact, when you're a little kid, you can probably think back of what of some of the things that you did and you got in trouble for and you would probably laugh about it. <laughs> remember when, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I remember when um, you got in trouble with the principal and it's like, oh, it's a bit of a joke now, right? It's like, oh yeah, we did this and this and there's a few of us and oh, it's all pretty funny. Um, but it's not funny anymore. When you have adult-sized regrets, they're not funny. In fact, you don't want to talk about it. You're embarrassed. You don't want people to bring it up. You don't want, you don't want someone to remind you of what you did. And even to the point where there are certain things that you do or don't want to do because you don't want to ever go there. You don't want to ever walk down that road or you don't want to ever go to that person's house anymore or you don't want to, you don't want to have your memory triggered because there is too much regret. There's too much baggage that's hanging around that's like, I can't deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? And, and, and like I said, that past keeps showing up one way or another. And I suppose there's a few things that we, we try to do. Um, there's a few things we try to make, to make our life better. Um, sometimes we just, 
you know, try and just suppress it. We just work hard. We try and just forget about it. We try and we we try and move on. Um, we try, and sometimes we'll just say, well, that's you know, I'm just a human, and all humans make mistakes. And well, you know, I was only young then, or I was immature then, or I had some friends that were leading me astray, and it was really their fault, or I was lonely then, or you know, I. I got drunk one night or whatever it might be we start to say well I was only human and like so I'll excuse it I'll excuse those things that I did but the regrets often don't go away how do we deal with that what do we what do we do with regrets in our life what do we do with with those big things in our life I'm going to go to um, I'm going to go to Luke chapter 23 and in Luke chapter 23, like I said before at the start, there's these, there's these a couple of, uh, I guess, incidences or these examples, these interactions that Jesus had with these different people. And, and somehow I think if we can sit ourselves and see ourselves in this, you know, in this scenario, I'm not saying we're the one, the perpetrator, but we can see exactly what Jesus did here, can help us to understand maybe how that might help us with the regrets that we might have. So in, in Luke 23... Um, this is where, this is just before Jesus is about to be crucified. Last week, Simo, uh, he talked about the, the night that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, so we had, you know, Judas, the, the Judas Iscariot, the guy who actually betrayed Jesus. Uh, he, you know, took the, the officials and they found him, you know, in the dark, in the night. And this is like the next morning, this is early the next morning. And what's happened here just before this is, Jesus is on trial. Jesus is, is come on trial and he he it's obviously perfect he's never done a thing wrong in his life and here we have a group of people who are trying to sentence him for something that he did not do and so what they've done is the the, the official rule the rulers the head priests the chief priests the bible describes them as the chief priests are actually going around trying to find people to say hey can you go and tell a story can you go and make up some lies about this guy because we've got to put him away like he's obviously squeaky clean no one's going to believe us and you know no one's going to just believe anyone we need some good stories so they're going around and they're trying to find some people who will testify against Jesus and that's literally what they did and they found a couple of people but their stories didn't really stack up and 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 it just wasn't and it just wasn't going well the trial wasn't going as these chief priests had planned as they had wanted to because Jesus Pilate I was in front of Jesus that Pilate was examining Jesus and he's just gone I don't know what this guy's on about but he's not He's not what they're saying. Like, and they're trying to actually, they're trying to pin like an insurrection or a, um, a, a revolt. Like they're saying that Jesus is like, you know, having this movement and he's going to be like, you know, the leader of this insurrection and, and like, you know, we need to put him to death over it and he's causing this trouble. And Pilate's going, I, like, all right, he's, he's doing something, but he's certainly not doing that. Like he, he is certainly not worthy of death. And so that's where that's the background to this story. Um, and another little thing, just in case you, some of you may or may not be aware of this, but one of the traditions, so at the time, was that the Romans, who were actually um, in rule, okay, so they were the rulers at the time, even though they've got the Jewish nation, but they were under like an oppressive um, rulership of the Romans. So the Romans were in control, they were in government, so to speak, even though the, the Jewish had their own, the Jews had their own nation, but the Romans were in control. So the Romans weren't all bad by the looks of things because what they thought they'd do is every Passover which was obviously a festival for the Jews nothing to do with the Romans but it was like a high time for the, the Jews they thought well we'll try and offer a little bit of goodwill and so what they used to do was at every Passover they would they would let a criminal go like you know they would let 
someone who had the Romans have locked up, a Jew or who the Romans have locked up, they would let them go as a sign of goodwill. That you know, like we're trying to work together here, we're on the same side, all that sort of stuff. All right, so that's just a little bit of background on where we're up to. So we're going to go to, um, we're going to stick up on the probably up on the side if we've got them there. We're going to go to Luke uh, 23, and there and Jesus here is on trial. Okay, and, and basically Pilate, who was the, the judge, I suppose, if you want to call him that, has just said, mate, this, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's not worthy of death. Like, like I'm just going to let him go. And he's sort of gone back to the chief priest and this other little mob that's out the, you know, out the front. And in verse 18, it says this, with one voice they cried out, this is the mob have cried out, with one voice they've cried out, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Now Barabbas, in fact, we'll go to verse 19, Barabbas uh, had had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. So it's interesting that Barabbas, the very crime that they were trying to falsely pin on Jesus was actually what this other guy was doing. So this this other guy was actually causing this insurrection, was actually causing like this revolt, and he'd actually been caught fairly for it. Now Jesus was innocent, but they were trying to pin this crime on him. And so, and it goes on to say in verse, um, uh, verse 20, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And then verse 22, for the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I found, I found in him no grounds for, for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then released. Verse 23 says, but, the loud shouts they ins- but with loud shouts they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Have you ever, have you ever been in trouble for something that you did not do? How did you feel? Anyone feel not angry? Anyone at peace with that? All right, you were very calm and no, with no stress? Or did you feel like riled up? You like you were just like cranky and angry and like this is not fair and there was this sense of injustice and like why should I be punished for? Like, you know, even as a kid you might think, yeah, I remember the times when my sister lied, you know, I, I can remember these times. My sister lied and said I did it and, you know, I never did it. And, and then of course it's like, well, does dad believe me or my sister? Well, I always got in trouble so I may as well just stay in trouble. Like that's how it seemed to me. So, so you know, you're in trouble for things that you did not do. Well, this is what happened to Jesus. Jesus was in trouble for something that he did not do. And yet, he was accused of the very crime that this other guy had committed. And he walks free. Is that fair? Are you okay with that? Would that be all right for you? What if you were Barabbas? I would like to suggest sometimes I think that I am Barabbas, I am that person. I am that person that Jesus paid the price for the very crime that I committed, but he did not. He's been pinned for the very crimes that I committed. Is that fair? That's not fair. But yet he, he let that happen. He, he, he let himself go through with that. And if that's not a demonstration of like an amazing amount of love, like what, like who does that? Who, who goes that far? So here we have this guy, Barabbas, that's in First Kings. Now, I don't know whether he asked for forgiveness, I don't know whether he come back and said, thanks, Jesus, or whether he just, like, you know, 
as soon as the gate opened and the cell, you know, the cell gate opened, he, he bolted and, you know, and took off and never was to be seen again. I don't know what happened, but I don't know what happened to Barabbas after that. But this guy was released because of the injustice. But then, isn't that what happens to us? When God take, when Jesus takes our sin, like we're released for what we've done and Jesus takes the penalty. Number one. The second one is, if we keep reading, um, we'll go down to verse 32, Luke chapter 23, verse 32. And, uh, and here Jesus is being, this is just, so they've convicted Jesus, they've handed, him, they've handed Jesus over to be, to be crucified and he's, he's being nailed to the cross. All right, this is in the middle of this, this torturous crucifixion. This, you know, he's about to die. Um, and we'll pick it up in verse 32 here it says two other men both criminals were also led out with him to be executed so this is without with Jesus uh, when they came to the place of the skull there they crucified him along with the other criminals on, uh, one on his right and the other on his left Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they are doing and they divided up his clothes by casting lots so in other words they were the, the Roman soldiers they were the guys who were actually pinning him to the cross they actually took his clothes off him and actually casted his um, casted lots. In other words, they, I don't know, paper, scissors, rocked it or whatever they did uh, to see who would actually get uh, to get his clothes. Just you know, he doesn't need them; he's about to die. So they they took his gear off him. Uh, verse 30, 35. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, which is an interesting word, sneered, and the rulers even sneered at him. So these are the rulers who actually said, Jesus, we want you to die, right? So these are, these are the guys on the other side. These are the enemies. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And when I read that, I just thought to myself, and I don't know if, any, if, if you guys know the story so well, but uh, for those of you who may, I'll just explain it really, really briefly. After Jesus was baptised, way back when, when he first started his ministry, when Jesus was first baptised, he was, he was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, the Bible describes it as in Matthew chapter 4, and he was tempted by the devil. And the devil obviously got to him, not, not he didn't succumb, but the devil was trying to get to him and trying to, trying to get him to do things that the devil wanted. And the big thing in the first couple of attempts that the devil uh, had on Jesus to try and, try and get him basically to, to give everything up was that the devil questioned his authority. The devil questioned like, and, and said, you know, if you are the Christ... If you are the Christ, if you are really God, you know, here he's talking to a man who's claiming to be the son of God, which is a bit odd, you know, but that's, you know, that's, that's Jesus walked here as a man. And the devil said to him, he said, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, and here, this is what I found pretty, I guess, sticks in your throat a little bit, is this, these, these chief priests and these rulers are saying, if you are the son of God, if you are really, he's had this, he's had this challenge before. You know, his authority, he, he, he is God, but they're like, if you really are, if you really are. Now, of course, he's going, well, I, I am. I, you know, in his, I am the son of God, but I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And so here, these guys, they're mocking him. And if we keep reading just a little bit further on, uh, it says, um, uh, the soldiers, verse 38, uh, 36, sorry. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, 
if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So even the soldiers were going, you know, and mocking him and going, you know, if you're the king of the Jews, if you are who you say you are, if you're the son of God, save yourself, you save so many other people. We're hearing all these stories about all these miracles about, you know, people who have had lifelong sicknesses and ailments being healed and coming, people being brought back to life and all this amazing stuff and, and you can't even save yourself. Like, are you really the son of God? Obviously, in their mind, obviously no. You know, they're obviously, save yourself if you really are the son of God. And they're sneering and mocking and... and like, is that okay with you? You know, does that sit all right with you? Imagine if someone who had done nothing wrong, how would you feel watching on? But the thing about this, and, and if we go back uh, to verse 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. The, the, the thing that stuck with me with this verse here, when he, when he one is they're not asking forgiveness, they haven't asked for it. They haven't gone, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm full of remorse. And You know, like, like quite often we're okay with forgiving people who come to us when they're sorry. You know, when they're, when they're like, look, I'm really sorry, I, I've realised I've hurt you, I've realised I've done the wrong thing, oh, I can see how much grief or pain that's caused, I can see the situation, I'm so sorry, it was my fault, can you please forgive me? And right there you're like, you're sort of, okay, I, I could do that most times. You know, most people, most times could probably do it. I'm not saying every time, whatever, but most times people, whether they're Christian or not, right, most times people are going, all right, just don't let it happen again, sort of thing. But here, in this story, there's a few things that have happened. These guys aren't sorry. They have, no, they have showed no sign of remorse. They have, there's nothing to indicate that they are going to change their behaviour anytime soon. And Jesus says, Father, he prays to God in heaven, he says, Father, can you forgive them? So, Jesus is forgiving these guys before they're ever asking. Is that fair? That's not fair, that's not right. And you can sort of get the picture where, where, where someone can, if someone asks to be forgiven, and someone, then the other person does forgive them in return, that that's sort of fair, that's sort of okay, we can cancel the debts, we can sort of, we can, we're back to normal, you know. But this is not fair. And the other thing which, I, which, does, which also sticks in my throat is the fact that Jesus says, they don't know what they're doing. And so he's basically saying to, 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 in his prayer to his father, he's saying that they don't even know, they, they don't even know what they're doing. Just please forgive them. They, they're, they're, just, they're, just, they're not responsible for their own actions. Yes, they are. Like, aren't they? Like, they're grown men. They're like, surely they know what they're doing. The reason they're putting Jesus on the cross is because Jesus questioned their, their own authority. Jesus came along and said, you guys, you guys aren't doing this right. You guys aren't following what God has actually said. You know, it's all about your greed. It's all about your power. That's not a picture of God. That's not who God is. Jesus is saying, this is who God is. And he's showing them a picture of love. And it's undermining their authority. And so these guys get so cranky about it that they want him dead. That's how evil it sort of got. And then Jesus turns around and says, they don't know what they're doing. Like, that's not right. Like, you just want, like, don't you just want God to come down and the whole lightning bolt thing and just say, sort them out. Like, you know, take care of it. Like, they've had their chance. Like, how much, how many chances are you going to give these people? They've had their opportunities. They don't know what they're doing. Just please forgive them. I don't know if I can love like that. How do you love like that? That's what Jesus did. Is there any people or person in your life that you feel that 
I don't deserve your forgiveness. But what does God do for you? What did Jesus do for you? Before we even asked, before we even realised that we needed forgiveness, Jesus has offered forgiveness to us. Jesus offered forgiveness for these, for the Roman soldiers, for these guys who were putting him on the cross. I don't know. Next encounter, encounter number three. Verse 39. One of, the, one of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. So remember, there's two criminals, they're also crucified. There's obviously just a day of crucifixion. Right, oh, we're going to have ourselves a crucifixion day. So there's a few of them, they're lined up, death row type thing. Right, oh, out you go, boys. We're all, you know, this, you've all been waiting on death row. That's what it was. Out you go. Today's going to have ourselves a, you know, a crucifixion. And so out they go. One of the criminals on the left of Jesus, one was on the right. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. And again, same story. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal, verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same, uh, sorry, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So here we have a guy who's hanging on the cross, receiving, his, in his own words, his own admission, he's receiving his own just rewards. He's this criminal, this thief, um, who, who's obviously got caught, he's, he's busted, and he goes, yep, I did it, you know, like, we're here because we deserve it. This guy's done nothing wrong. But he reaches out to Jesus and he asks forgiveness. He says, Jesus, can, you know, can you remember me? Can, like, I, I believe you. I believe who you are. I believe what you are doing. I believe in the claims that you're making about yourself. Can you remember me? And Jesus turns around and immediately says, yeah. Today I'll be with you. Today, I'll tell you today that you'll be with me in paradise when that comes. This guy didn't have to jump through any hoops. He didn't have to conform to any sort of pressures or anything, to any sort of thing. He, he didn't have to say some sort of magic words. He didn't have to, um, you know, to do anything. He didn't, have, he didn't have to go to church so many times. or what, Like right there, Jesus forgave him for who he was. He was a criminal who was receiving just rewards for some pretty bad behaviour, some pretty poor choices that he's made in life. He's got his just rewards. But right then, in the middle of that, Jesus reaches out and says, I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've done. I'm going to tell you right here, right now, you'll be with me in paradise. There's some pretty powerful forgiveness. There's some pretty amazing things um, that Jesus is doing. I guess the thing I, that strikes me when I read this, this, this little passage, these last few hours of Jesus' life, is how unfair Jesus is. He is completely and utterly unfair. His love is unfair. He, people do not deserve what he is offering. People, you know, you think you should be responsible for your own actions. Well, he says, well, no, you don't even have to be responsible for your own actions. Jesus is offering forgiveness and love that is, that is so unfair. In fact, I remember, um, just look around and see which boys are in the, uh, in the room today. We'll make you tell a story. No, it's not too bad, but there's a few times when the boys were a bit younger, because it's giving you the best jokes. Uh, when they're younger, 
and, and even every now and then, maybe some of the younger ones, but, but if you ever do, if you've ever done this as a parent, or if you're, if you're, a, if you're a younger person, you can think about, has your parents ever done this with you, if you've got, like, say, a sibling of some sort, or, or something like that, where, where you've helped out, you, I've helped out one, one of my boys, and, and I've gone and done something similar to the other one, but maybe I've helped out just a little bit extra, or I've given them just that little bit extra or something. Oh, that's not fair. You didn't do that for me. Have anyone ever had that experience? Anyone ever had that experience? Yeah. You, if you're a kid, so to speak, or a young person, you've seen your parent do that, or if you're a parent, you've done that for your child. And it's like, you know, in your mind, as I'm talking as a parent now, in your mind as a parent, you think, well, that person, you know, that child needed a little bit extra help, or there's a reason for it, but the other kid's like, well, that's not fair. You didn't do that for me, and why didn't you give me that much? And well, I, had, I had an ice cream at McDonald's on the way home yesterday, so why can't I get one today? That sort of thing, right? Some pretty deep stuff. So, and so, and then all of a sudden you're getting cranky over 60 cents, right? That's, that's, I'll just share, that's a little bit of insight into the Redmond family at times. Uh, and you're thinking, and I've said it a few times, and I don't know, maybe I was being a bit cranky and a bit short with my boys, but it's like, do you think that's unfair? And I said, yeah, that's unfair. Okay, I'll show you fair. And he said, all right, let's, let's think about all the things I do for you. How about I stop that? You know, how about we stop cooking food and mum, you know, mum stops cooking food or we stop cleaning up after you or washing your clothes and, you know, and we start rattling off a big list. Do you want to see fair? you want to see fair? Let's see fair. You know, and we, talk, we sort of have this sort of conversation. Usually it doesn't go on for too long, right? But God's love is unfair. This, this forgiveness that Jesus, that Jesus offers is so unfair. It is so not right. But at the same time, it is so perfect. It is like you could, not, you could not understand love in a more perfect way than forgiveness in this sense. In what he's offered to the... And remember, these aren't, these aren't, the, these aren't his followers. These aren't the people who, that, you know, the, the Peters and, his, the, you know, and the Johns and the disciples and, and, and his, you know, the other people who are following. These aren't, these aren't the good people. These are the, these are the not-so-good people. In fact, these are the people that are trying to put him away. And yet Jesus still offers that forgiveness. Jesus still goes out of his way. And I guess the question is, what are we going to do about that? I've got a, I've got a few points. These aren't, these aren't in some book of the Bible, chapter 5, verse 3. Right? These are just a few Neil Redmond things. But what can we do? Alright, point number one. Recognise it. When we've got a problem, when we've got a sin, when we've got a regret that we've been, had in the past, don't try and push it away. Don't try and say it never existed. It never, you know, like we all, we all say it, right? Let's just pretend that never happened. You know, awkward, whatever it might be. Let's just pretend that never happened. Let's just push that aside. No, let's recognise it. Let's understand it. Let's, let's recognise it for what it is. Number two, own it. I understand that I made a bad mistake. I understand that I made some poor choices. It was my problem. Own your part of the problem. You know, often I'll, um, I'll chat to, uh, even here at school, students sometimes, and they're having issues with the other school friends or family, and, and, and things are pretty unfair sometimes. Sometimes, you know, students get some, kids get dealt some pretty hard cards through no fault of their own. Absolutely, 100%, absolutely. But then there's always that little bit, do I say, own it. Own your own part of the problem and go from there. And this thing is it's sort of similar. It's, Recognise what you've done. If you've got a regret, if you've got a, something that you're dealing with, recognise it and own it. Verse 3, 
Oh, sorry, not verse nine. <laughs> there is no verse. I told you there's no verse. Point number three. I'll start right, man. But no, I won't even say that out loud. Um, point number three. Give it to Jesus. Recognize it, own it. Don't blame others, and give it to Jesus. He's already paid for it. He's already taken it. He's already paid the price. We are the Barabbas. He's already paid for that sin that we have already committed. He's already done time for that. He's already paid the penalty for that. Recognize it. Own it. Give it to Jesus. Point four. Don't pick it back up again. Leave it with him. Like, it's no, you have no right to pick that back up again. Why, so, why do we so often do that? Why do we so often try and relive these things? Oh, okay, we, we finally give it to Jesus and then a little bit later it's like, oh, like you've dealt with that like Jesus does not want to give that back to you does that make sense like you've given this problem to Jesus he doesn't want to give it back to you I've dealt with that in fact the Bible talks about he throws it into the deepest of seas you know like he it's gone right it's gone don't come back it's gone don't but sometimes I must say like sometimes I don't know there's something about humanity and, and some people that we just like to try and relive that stuff and we like a little bit of drama maybe I don't know but don't pick it back up again. Number five, last one. How can you be Jesus to others? How can then you model what Jesus did for someone else? Because point one, two, and three, and four, we can sort of get ahead around that. Point five, all of a sudden, all of a sudden becomes a bit pointed. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Are you saying, Neil, that I have to forgive people that haven't even asked? Are you saying, Neil, that I have to forgive people when they're still doing bad stuff to me? See, all of a sudden that becomes a bit pointy, doesn't it? All of a sudden that becomes a bit like, oh, I was all right when I was on the receiving end, but now I have to give it? Like, but I want to tell you something. There is freedom in forgiveness. And I guess we're asking this question, who am I in Christ? Who am I when I can forgive? Who am I when I know that I've been forgiven and then I can forgive in return? And we can be like Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you can be perfect. I'm not saying that, well, now it's fine. We'll be, you know, we'll walk out of the doors over here and you'll be able to be perfect and you'll have it all sorted and you'll never have a problem with someone ever hurting you again. I'm not saying that, but, but if we can be like Jesus to other people, if we can go, you know what, through Christ, and this is where probably, if, like, if you're not into this God stuff, then you could probably take on board some of the first points but point number five, you probably can't do without Christ. Point number five here is giving it, um, being like Jesus and actually going that next step, you can really only do through the power of Christ, through the Spirit, I believe. Where you can actually offer, offer forgiveness to people who, who don't deserve it. Like, because that's hard, because they don't deserve it, right? Like, who wants to give out things to, to people they don't deserve? That's just not right. But let me explain it this one, one way and then we're going to finish up. someone does something to me and they've hurt me unduly they've caused me some sort of stress they've like and we often say this we will say you know you'll say this to kids you know and, and younger people if you, who, who, who are here you know you've heard your parents say you know you owe someone so apology you owe an apology because this we we owe this we have this like debt when someone does something to me they've wronged me unduly they owe me an apology or they owe me some sort of you know to make things right and, but what if they never do? What if they never come to you and say, I'm sorry? 
well, then they always owe me, right? They, always, they will always owe me. But the problem about this, and we think, well, we want to make sure that that's, you know, we're not going to forgive until they really come to us and they ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to cancel that debt until they come to me and ask for that. But the problem is, and we think, we think that that's like, we've got the upper hand, but really we're the one that's, we're the one that's, um, that's going to struggle with the problem because whatever they owe you, they have what you want. Let me explain it real quick. I'm going to pick on your Heidi, sorry. If Heidi comes and stole 50 bucks off me, right, she owes me $50, right? And I'm going to say, Heidi, where's my 50 bucks? Or, you know, whatever. But she's never going to give it back, right? Because she's not spent it, not spent it on your children. Or something, you know, like something very honourable. All right, so Heidi's got my 50 bucks, but she's never going to give it back. All right? Who's in the red? It's me. I'm the one without the 50 bucks. You get it? Like, whatever I don't forgive... I'm the one in the debt. I'm the one that's in the red. I'm the one that hasn't got what I wanted or what I thought I should have had. But if I can forgive, it puts myself back in the black. It gives me the freedom to go, you know what, no one owes me anything anymore. And I've just released that person from having power over me. That's the freedom in forgiveness. That's what Christ has done for us. That's what Christ is offering for us. And I think when we can look at that and go, you know what, I am not going to give that person power over me anymore. I'm going to forgive that person, whoever that might be. I'm going to walk away. That person's not going to have that on me because I've cancelled that debt. And I've forgiven and I've moved on. The regrets that we have, we can give them to Christ. Give them. He's already paid that price. He's already forgiven that. He's already, he has already taken care of it if only we want to give them to him and when it comes to us what our response is to our other to other people around us then being like jesus and forgiving others yes it's good for the other people and it shows like a love like christ has loved us but it also releases us and gives us freedom that we could never otherwise achieve because sometimes for all different reasons people will never come back and ask for forgiveness and then we'll have to carry that. Unless we can cancel that debt on our own, then we get to carry it. And that's never going to be healthy. And that will keep turning up in our life. That past will keep turning up in our life for the future. Who am I in Christ? Ask yourself that question. Who am I in Christ? Ask yourself, maybe, who do I need to forgive? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone that, that you've gone, you know what, I have held a grudge, or I've hung on to for a very long, long time. And never, they've never asked me forgiveness or they're probably never going to ask me forgiveness. Don't wait for them to ask for forgiveness. Christ never waited for us to ask him forgiveness. Like Barabbas, like the, the soldiers, um, he, he forgave them long before they even were interested in forgiveness. Who am I in Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you so much that you have um, forgiven us, um, loved us way before we even realised we needed it. And the difference that made in our life is, you know, is amazing. And what the difference that it can make is, is amazing. And so I pray that we can give all our things, all our regrets, all our embarrassing moments, all the things we wish no one would ever bring up, we can give them all to you. And I also pray that we can do that for other people and that way we can actually show what you are really like and we can show that, that you are living in us.
when we offer forgiveness to other people and that we can live a life that is free um, and I guess that we are free then to, to share your love with more and more people. Thanks, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Refresh. Um, next week, we've actually got our week of worship uh, for our primary school and so that's going to be looking a little bit different